Hello and welcome to another episode of A Slice of Health, the Candid Health Chat podcast, where we slice away health truth from health fiction. Join me and my friends as we challenge common health myths via chit chat, powered by several cups of coffee. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media and do visit us at a sliceofhealth.club. Let's get to today's episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of A Slice of Health. It's me, your usual host, Mo. Today I'm joined by Aisha. She is a Sierra Leonean born and raised in London who studied sociology at Warwick University. Today we will be discussing my HPV story and that is Aisha's HPV story. She received an abnormal cervical screening result at the age of 29 in 2018. And this prompted her to share her knowledge of the disparities in healthcare among black women via social media in the United Kingdom. As a result, in March 2019, she has appeared on BBC Breakfast, BBC London, Sky News and National Radio for the first Public Health England campaign, as well as the life-saving WAX campaign with TreatWell. She discusses the importance of regular cervical screening for African and Caribbean women and the associated taboos on several TV channels. Aisha is also an avid podcast listener. She loves a good meme and almond milk cappuccinos. Welcome, Aisha. Thank you, Mo. So thanks so much for coming on. Where are you getting these almond milk cappuccinos? Uh, anywhere. You just have to pay for Tiki more and they will give you, I don't know, almond milk. Almond milk um, cappuccinos. everyone is staying home so I make them at home instead that's absolutely fabulous um and how are you coping with covid so we were talking a bit earlier about trying to get food and things how how has it been um down at your end um for me it's been pretty easy fortunately because I live with my auntie so yeah. we don't really have to be mindful of children um my diet is very strict back as is my aunt so she's working from home so okay. it's a little bit more comforting because we know there's no kind of like chances of going out and contracting the virus and bringing it back home but the cabin fever is getting real yeah 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 i think that is that is something that definitely gets to quite a lot of people as well just being indoors and not being able to go out or being worried each time you go out as well um i think it's really important for people to remember that they can go out but you just need to keep a safe distance you know between yourself and other people um one really amazing thing that i saw i don't know if you've seen it is that the national trust has opened up all their gardens and their sites and they've cancelled the fees as well so you can walk okay. in the gardens and on the grounds of the natural um, national trust buildings and their gardens mm-hmm. as well, just so people can get some fresh air um, yeah. and some exercise as long as you're keeping a safe distance. So that's mm-hmm. that, that's been pretty Okay, awesome. so it's all about the safe distance because I know I'm trying to go to supermarkets when it's less busy, etc. Yeah. But yeah. to be honest, if you're not going to work or if you're not allowed to take public transport to go socialise, you do feel quite restricted. Yeah. Um, and our weather's quite temperamental as well, so sometimes you run and yeah. stay at home. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more, I think it's more the, for some people, it's feeling like I have to stay home, not because I want to. Yeah. So this kind of like feeling of, I want to rebel, let me get out of the cage. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I think it's also, it's not your choice, is it? It's, you know, so, and we don't like it when people, someone else has imposed something on us. You just have that exactly. desire to break free as well, don't you? <laughs> Have you been able to get toilet paper? We've got enough for about maybe a week or two. Yeah. But 
been looking on Amazon. Um, so then, which makes sense now. So they're only sending deliveries out yeah. if your order is pounds or more. Okay. Yeah. So through Amazon Fresh, in case anybody um, is struggling to get certain food products, uh, okay. they do have toilet roll, but you can't check out unless your order is over forty pounds. Over a certain okay, over a certain mm-hmm. amount. Okay, okay. So I suppose everybody's just taking it one day at a time now with COVID, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. The pubs and restaurants have been closed today according to Boris Johnson and so that means Mother's Day is coming in two days so no restaurant dinners for mums everyone has to cook at home guys try cooking for mum this time uh, see, how, <laughs> see how it goes and if you don't live with mum try and send her something post yeah. even though it's probably a bit too late now but, but you can still order you can order some cupcakes for her order some flowers those would still probably be delivered as well so yeah so you can send those over as well okay so today we're going to be talking about my hpv story um so i'm just going to give you the floor tell us about how you um how you started on this journey and then i'll ask you questions along along the way um so i think my journey started when i was 25 okay however at the time the cervical screening test wasn't necessarily looking for the hpv virus so in 2018 that's when everything changed um so the hpv virus was in my cervix for about i don't know how long probably up to three years and had then um had then moved into abnormal cells which were then removed later so when did you start um screening so did you go for your first invitation at 25 yeah so i went um on time just after my 25th birthday okay yeah. and then for my second screening it was a group after my 29th okay um birthday yeah. okay okay so you went for your first one at 25 and then you went for another one um at around the 20 your 29th birthday and that was yeah. when they picked up the what did they tell you when you got the call back because normally they'll call you back into the doctor's surgery they'll write you a letter what what exactly were you told so i wasn't called into the doctor's surgery i was actually called by my local gynecology department <laughs> to say that an appointment has been made i think four or five days later and it was just because i had an abnormal result okay. so they wanted to um take a few biopsies in order to find out the area and severity of the abnormal cells. Okay. And so that sounds like it happened quite quickly in terms of you getting the information that, you know, you needed to be seen and then you being seen quite quickly. And so I think that's quite a positive in, in terms of your experience on how quickly yeah. things things moved. And what was going through your mind within those couple of days in terms of them telling you, well, you know, you'd had your smear done by the nurse at the surgery, but now you had to go into the hospital to see a specialist. What What were you thinking? Um, as soon as I got the phone call, I just hopped onto the internet, um, looked at the NHS website, looked at Joe's Cervical Trust, um, just to familiarise myself with the different categorizations of abnormal cells, mm-hmm. so SIN 1, SIN 2, SIN 3, yes. and what does it actually mean? Um, what is the HPV virus? And why does it... So, the virus can clear itself out. Mm -hmm. In a few cases, it stays and progresses and then um, changes the cells. So, I think once I knew the information, I was more grateful because I didn't have any symptoms Mm -hmm. of any changes in my cervix. Mm -hmm. 
So I was just really pretty much grateful that, okay, I went on time and I will be seen because it was in the middle of the summer as well. So okay. I was quite happy that it might be a little bit quieter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what was the experience like going in for that initial biopsy? How how did you find that experience going in? It was really smooth sailing. Okay. I think I was sent a leaflet telling me about the colcoscopy, so I knew what to expect. Okay. Um, I had two nurses with me, and they kind of walked me through in terms of what sensations I might feel in my body. Yeah. The gynecologist went through everything with me as well, mm-hmm. just to tell me what he, is he looking for yeah. and why. Um, and then after that, it was a case of two weeks okay. to get back a categorization. Yeah. Okay. And so you, you then got back, got the results back, and did did you then go back in for further removal of the cervix after that? Did you get any any further treatment, or was it was it just that that one episode? Um, so it came back and it was advised that I should have the um, the loop removal, so the less procedure done yeah. to take it out because of the area and because of the severity, so it was sin too. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't advised at all to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, there was evidence that, okay, if we don't remove these cells, they could possibly spread. Yeah, okay. And so you had your loop procedure. And at the time, were you more anxious, you know, when the histology results came back that you definitely then needed the loop procedure? Did you, had you known anyone who'd gone through the experience at all? No, but um, the good part of the internet was very reassuring. Okay. So Joe's cervical trust had a forum mm-hmm. where different women speak about their experiences, what were the categorizations, what was the timeline in terms of their treatment and what to expect afterwards. Um, Joseph, which has also have um, a helpline. Okay. So if you are feeling a bit anxious or if you're just a bit um, feeling out of sorts, you can call them. Yeah. Um, it's really helpful because I actually didn't know of anyone who had had um, abnormal cells or had treatment. Okay. So unfortunately, I found that nobody in my immediate circle could relate okay. to it. Mm. And it was more of a case of, oh, is it serious or is it not? Or um, it's a taboo, quote-unquote, area of the body. Um, so I was met with quite a bit of, not hostility, I think I was more disappointed in terms of how nonchalant some people were. Okay. Uh, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I've never had my cervical screening test done and I feel fine. And I'm like, well, good for you. Mm. However, there are things happening in your body you have no... Um, you're not privy to until mm-hmm. potentially it turns cancerous and then mm-hmm. everyone starts crying and shouting. Mm. Um, so that was more my, I'm, I was always, I've always been quite proactive when it comes to my health. Okay. So as long as I have the information and I've been given a timeline in terms of who will treat you in the next three to four weeks, mm. this is how you need to prepare. It will be um, local anaesthetic. Yeah, it was pretty smooth sailing from then. That's awesome. And so after you had the loop procedure for the Cervical Cancer Institute um, 2, how frequently have you then had your smears after that? I had one six months after. Okay. And that was um, all clear, so no, no HPV. And now I will have my next one in 
Two years time. Yeah, so I'm back into the normally normal three year recall. Okay, okay. So you've gone back into normal recall and then now you've become an advocate for um cervical cancer awareness, for screening screening awareness, especially in the black community. And you said something that I just want to latch back on. You said about how that area is an area of taboo, um, in terms mm-hmm. of just conversation. Why why do you think that is? Um, our upbringing, um, uh, religious backgrounds, our traditional backgrounds, you know, um, the way we talk about the female reproductive system, um, uh, concepts of like modesty mm-hmm. or what is okay to talk about, what is not okay to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, you can talk about a headache, but you can't talk about period cramps. Yeah. Um, so in actual fact, looking at the statistics and around the time I was waiting for my treatment, because when public health things will come out with a lot of statistics about it being at a 20 year low. Mm-hmm. And also around um, black and minority ethnic groups having the lowest uptake, and then in London, and then 25 to 35. And I was reading the news and I was like, oh, this is me, mm-hmm. and this is all of my friends. Yeah. And people I went to uni, and so that's what prompted me mm-hmm. to say this is a bigger issue. And more about looking at why it's a bigger issue. Mm-hmm. So in terms of our concepts around what is seen as important and what is not, which is why I feel like in the current circumstance, so many people are having cabin fever because we're just so used to being busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think busyness was a bad girl to some people either booking in their appointments or not wanting to feel inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Um but then you asked the question about did I know anyone who had had abnormal? Mm. The answer was no. But over the last year, I've come across different people who yeah. are like, oh yeah, I had it mm-hmm. one time. Yeah. Or, oh, my auntie did. And I'm yeah. like, okay, so I understand culturally, we're kind of, my business is my business. Mm-hmm. But my kind of stance was if we're not sharing our business with those who are immediate to us Mm. we are contributing to certain health outcomes Mm -hmm. like it's good to share so i think at the beginning um before i was doing the public health campaign i was just on instagram my account was private at the time i was just telling my 10 or 15 friends like hey Mm. you know um and I think, yeah, it was about six months later that um, Joe's cervical transfer got in touch with me, simply because I did I did give them feedback to say, I don't really see as many young black women on their website. Yeah, yeah. Or who have shared their experiences. So mm-hmm. it was just all very timely, the way things came together. Yeah, yeah. And that is really important. And I'm glad that you actually spoke to them about that to say, you know, although they were a great great source of information for you, you still didn't feel represented in terms of the information that you were you were receiving. And it's so different, isn't it, when you see someone that looks like you telling you about their experience of what you've gone through as well. Um, It it does. I mean, mean, it it, it makes it different in a certain way, just makes you feel like okay, my voice might be heard. I'm not the only one going through this. I'm not going to be isolated when I when I have, have this experience. And you mentioned something about a friend of yours um, who said, oh, you know, um, I'm, I'm not having any symptoms and I'm fine and I've never gone for a pap smear. Was that friend sexually active? 
No. No. So okay. in that in that context,、mm, okay. I was like, "Oh, okay."、Mm-hmm. But still,、mm-hmm. um, you have because coincidentally, I wasn't sexually active within those three years、mm-hmm. that the cells develop.、Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Hello,、mm-hmm. you know, sexual activity doesn't mean that、um, abnormal cells cannot." Yeah, and that's that's why I asked that question because obviously it's not about current sexual activity; it's actually about any sexual activity in the past. Which is why、yeah. the, you know when a woman says she's never been sexually active, if she's you know even above thirty, if she has never ever had any sexual activity, we don't actually push for her to have the cervical screening because she's actually at low risk, and you know the the kind of HPV that causes cervical cancer and cervical changes is sexually transmitted. However, if you've had any kind of sexual encounter, and when I say sexual encounter, you know I always emphasize that it actually means touching. It means fingers. It means lips. It doesn't care if it is a male partner, a female partner, a, a sex toy, a rabbit, whatever, whatever it is. Any kind of activity that is sexual in nature can cause transmission of HPV from one partner to the other, and then that can, you know, then cause the change in cells. And that change in cells is not always immediate, so it can stay for a long period of time, and then. Manifest itself in the future, which is why we do the cervical screening.、Um, did you ever have the immunizations by any chance while you were in school? No. So I was. I think I was in my first year of uni when they started it. Okay.、Uh, so that's been very interesting in terms of、um, people who had the HPV vaccine and their uptake、mm-hmm. of having regular screening tests.、Mm-hmm. So I know that their percentage. Would, Should be slightly lower,、mm-hmm. but it's still encouraged that they have the reg- reg- regular screening. Definitely,、up. yeah, definitely. Especially if you're, if, you know, if you're sexually active, regardless of whether you've had the immunizations or not, it's still recommended that you do have the the cervical screening screening as well, because it doesn't only look for the HPV; it also allows the nurse or doctor to actually visualize your cervix and see what is going on on there as well, and allows them to check the nature of the cells as well. And in terms of the black community, which is where you've done quite a lot of your advocacy work recently. Why? I mean, we we talked a bit about how it's taboo, so we don't talk about、um, we 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 pretend that nobody's having sex, 
meanwhile everybody's having sex or most people are having sex if not we'd not be having you know any babies born um we but we we choose which kind of diseases we want to talk about and which kind of illnesses we want to talk about and the c word is a word that we really don't want to talk about you know the cancer word it we make it sound like a plague why do you think why do you think that is and what do you think we can do to try to demystify the 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 taboo around it um first part of your question why do we prioritize certain illnesses disease over others i think it's because it's easier that way Mm. um i think i grew up thinking that it's only the older people who get sick Mm. um there's a culture of silence in a lot of our communities so i've heard of people who have found that, for example, they're sickle cell carriers and asking the question, well, why do you tell me? Oh, because, you know, shame. But you're having children who are in their 20s and 30s who are only now finding out that certain things are hereditary. So I think the culture of silence, culture of shame, um, certain body parts, particularly like genitals, it's just a case of why would you have someone examine there? Or... Um, we, some of us weren't taught how to assess changes in our body or to pick up, let's say, oh, actually, I've been cramping a little bit more, actually, I'm squatting. Um, some of us have been taught to, like, brush it off, just take an extra paracetamol, or lay hands on yourself, or it must be because of, you know, you've been, you've been fornicating, and it's like, no, actually, you might just need to see your GP. Mm-hmm. So, it's a case of, um, also not representation has a part to play so i think if you see something particularly cancer people might associate that with oh that's a them sickness Mm. we don't Mm -hmm. some of that was floating around around covid last week where it was like oh you know we don't know of any black people and then all of a sudden it was like actually you know my sister's best friend's husband so we feel like we're immune or um unfortunately what prompted my advocacy was like, I said, I'm tired of hearing that so-and-so's mum died, auntie died. It doesn't need to get to stage four. It doesn't need to get to terminal. It exactly. doesn't need to get to, you know, spread from the kidney to a lung. So I think for me, um, and kind of my tagline was, you know, our grandparents are always praying for us to have long life and prosperity, but we need to actually use these brains to, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Work yeah. with those friends yeah. to yeah. have the long life and prosperity. And I think looking around at my immediate social group and extended, I'm like, well, everyone is, you know, ticking all these boxes, all these professions, the house, the car, the husband, or the wife, or um, the holidays. And I'm like, surely now it's time for the community as a whole to start taking care of the body. Mm. That was more the way um, I went through that. What? can be done to change that is having the conversation um so i had the well i saw my dad first okay and then um i think the day before the appointment i told my mom because i knew she, and she did she started crying and you know yeah whereas my dad, my dad was more this is good they'll take care of you so so why i missed forward was just talk to those who I actually have a good relationship with Mm -hmm. um 
I remember challenging a few people to be like, hey, you know, quite a few people are in group chats, like small group of women, just just have the conversation. Um, I had a conversation with some some of my male relatives as well mm-hmm. and friends to be like, yo, you know, she's cool. Has she? And the conversation has changed where um, a few of my guy friends have kind of signposted their partners to be like, Hey, she's a bit worried about is it gonna be painful? And that's so great. Yeah, that that is. Yeah. I, I'm actually really happy that you know you've you've said that in terms of you know male partners especially encouraging their female partners to go for go for a screening and to be able to say yeah. okay you know what I know Aisha you know she's an advocate for this she can have a chat with you before you go and tell you you know little things that you might be able to do to make it more yeah. comfortable before you and go I think for your it smear. Also, it was also it was also a case of. You know, I got the appointment letter, I got the reminder text, ah, I just forgot. So mm. for some people, it's, it was always on their to-do list, like yes. going for the dentist, or yes. it was just a little push. Yeah. So, um, I was very comfortable with, I think at the time, my 300 friends and acquaintances mm. on social media. Yeah. Just to be like, hey guys, you know, Christmas is coming, or New Year is coming, um, and then it the reach went national yeah but I'm I'm a community girl at heart like Mm -hmm. I think more the time I try not to force anyone Mm -hmm. to have the screening test done I'm just like hey here's the information you know just so you know yeah um but I think we'll get there I think it's more we're, we're we are a word of mouth kind of community yeah so you know the big the big posters and the big national campaigns it doesn't really matter no. we only pay attention if our sister or our cousin yeah. or our auntie yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's true it's i think it's the way it's it's kind of the way we've been raised isn't it in in a lot of, and i think that cuts across black communities all over the world really it's sort of yeah but do you know anyone who actually and that's that's sort of the thing isn't it that okay yeah well if i know that my you know two of my best friends had it and, and you know you know it's it's some it's something similar you know even for me like you know talking about fibroids and things like it's those kind of things where you kind of always knew that you probably had a fibroid and you've always had horrible periods and it's always been horrible and then two of my friends went and had fibroid surgery and then I was like, okay, you know what? I should probably go have a scan. And they're like, oh yeah, you've got fibroids. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of knew I probably did. But you know, and and I'm a doctor, so it's it's one of those things where in our community we we do that, but we really ought to move away from doing that a bit more and maybe just we we always need a guinea pig. We, we need do. to know that somebody went through it and survived, not died. We we have this concept. <laughs> we have this concept of okay, but don't tell me that. You yeah, yeah. That. They're okay. Um, yeah, that's wait. that's that's yeah, that's true. You know, I've, I've never thought about, but hearing you articulate it so well, you're actually correct. Yeah, yeah. you are. Like, yeah, as you said, you're, you're too correct. They had the surgery, and yeah. all. but it's interesting because I was probably up until last this time last year, I was pretty much like sample screenings, my thing, but then I became more aware in terms of oh this pain actually shouldn't really be there Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah last May I went and I had an ultrasound Mm. but because I had built up this kind of language with my GP Mm. when I told her my symptoms she was automatically like we're sending you for an ultrasound and yeah they found a fibroid um 
If I'm thinking maybe if I hadn't have gone through the like removal of the abnormal cells and stuff, mm. I would have just pinned the pain down to PMS mm-hmm. or but I was kind of looking at the symptoms and I'm like, well, they didn't go that far up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this you know, that yeah. pain should but I think similar to a lot of women, I had been living with that pain for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was, oh, I'm wearing too many heels or, you know, so I think having those conversations, but I think around the conversations around health, I don't know if you found this, I don't really get many public comments, mm-hmm. but I'll get the DMs mm. and I'll get the paragraphs, but I'm like, yeah, but I really wish you had left a comment because more people will see the comment and be encouraged yeah. than the DM. So, yeah. you know, is what it is. We still have this privacy, which I respect. Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely, yeah, I think we definitely do in terms of wanting to um, keep it as part of our thing because we feel as though if we put it out there, um, what is someone else going to say about us? What are they going to think about us? Are they going to think, you know, especially when it comes to the genitals, the womb, the cervix, I think, am I going to be able to have children? And then obviously children are a big thing in our community. Those kinds of things. It's just, there's just so much taboo and there's so many things that we need to demystify. And I think also when you live alone in your own struggle in your own pain in your own illness it also hinders your ability to heal regardless of what it is you're trying to heal from because we all do so much better in an environment of community mm-hmm. um and that's something that and we've not and encouraged. it's really hard like similar to i can definitely identify with you because i was uh what eight months pregnant mm-hmm. and then had my Yeah, it really, it really does. It really does because you know the the lines, you know, continue to add in front of you, and you start avoiding knowing what's going on, or you start accepting it. Oh yeah, you know, all the women in your family have horrible, painful periods. It's absolutely fine. It's normal. Just take an extra paracetamol. Take an extra ibuprofen. You know, you're taking the extra ibuprofen here and there, or you're ignoring a discharge, or you're ignoring the bloating of your belly. You're ignoring the weight loss. Your hair is falling out, but you're not talking to anybody about it. And these are all, you know, signs of different kinds of illnesses, but we're not talking about it because we're so afraid of what is coming but we're, we're living in a state of illness and that is not that is not beneficial for us for us either and yeah. what 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 kind of things do you normally say to women who haven't had their first smear yet so let's say you know you've got a, a young 30 something year old she, yes she's been sexually active you know but 
she she just hasn't has never gone because she's just always been afraid or always thought it wasn't necessary what would you say to her if you were trying to encourage her to attend i would say um the screening test is less painful than it is to have let's say if you wax mm-hmm. um it's always done by a female practitioner you can actually speak to your practice nurse after all this COVID has blown over, which again actually gave me a little bit of a panic. So I'm like, we're close, you know, you can't have GP surgery. So the recall of women who should have their screening done um, gets pushed back. But yeah, back to your question. I would say, I'll try and find out why. Mm. Their sexual trauma, FGM, mm-hmm. uh, have you had a bad experience? Maybe you had your first screening test and it was very painful Mm. so actually speaking making a woman know that you can ask for a smaller speculum you can ask for more lube you can come back um if you need a chaperone you can have one um you can um the condition where some women's vaginal walls close yeah vaginismus yeah if that is the case you can hopefully soon get a referral mm-hmm. on to the gynecology department mm-hmm. so there's so many different avenues yeah. and it doesn't need to be excruciating um doesn't need to be painful or uncomfortable yeah do some breathing exercises but my thing is if you are let's say late 20s early 30s um you don't want to fall into the category of if you choose to become pregnant and abnormal cells are found they cannot be treated whilst you're pregnant. Yeah. So there have been some cases towards the end of last year when, unfortunately, some women were found whilst they were pregnant or after they had given birth. And please do not say you're waiting for symptoms because the symptoms, when they do show, it's well beyond the, you know, the 15-minute procedure under um, local anaesthetic. Um, cervical cancer is one of the cancers gynecological cancers that when it spreads it spreads to the other organs and then you start seeing more pressing but this is the only screening test we have that detects cancer before it develops yeah pre-cancerous cells so that's what the cervical screening test is trying to find pre-cancerous cells so they can be treated removed and you're continuously um being checked and monitored so it's 15 minutes and i would say most of the 15 minutes is them just checking if you're taking off your underwear and taking off your trousers or your skirt, hopping off and on. Most of the, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but most of the appointment is actually you getting dressed and getting undressed. Yeah, yeah. It is actually a very, it is actually a very quick procedure. It's about two, two, actually two minutes probably if you actually count the actual, you know, going in, looking at the cervix doing the brush taking it out putting it in the cup and that's it so it is actually really quick and i think that is where people get really anxious about it isn't it it's that i've never had anything like that before um what exactly are they going to do and just trying to explain that it's actually a very quick you know procedure and you'll be talked through through the procedure and that is the really amazing thing about the cervical screening like you said it is picking up precancerous cells so that they can be treated nipped in the bud before they become something significant because cervical cancer is very silent it's very mm-hmm. very silent but, um, i would also say a bit tongue-in-cheek please don't come to me with the whole oh you know 
because you've had other things bigger than a speculum in there or for longer than that. So let's just be real, sister to sister, let's just be real. I know our mom and our dads and our grandparents aren't supposed to know that. But Anne is a female practitioner. So I'm just saying, okay? You have a point. You do have a point. Um, But I think maybe also it's that people are more comfortable with those things. Um, And I think if they... I think they don't become comfortable with those things either at an instant. So that builds up as well. Okay, yeah. And And so that builds up as well. And so they probably become comfortable with it because they've seen their friends do it or their friends have talked about doing it as well. And then they've gone ahead and done it. And so maybe if we actually got into a habit of talking about it when we met up with our friends and said, okay, you know what? I I just came back from my smear or, you know, I'm during my lunch break. I'm going to the GP surgery to have my smear done tomorrow. What are you up to? I hope you've had yours recently. And if we just make it part of our regular conversation, then actually maybe we might then just become as comfortable with it as a lot of women are comfortable with a lot of other things that do go up in there. Um, and then maybe we can then be on our way to better health and, you know, reducing the numbers of black women that we're losing to cervical cancer. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, what would you give as a championship point to everybody following our episode today? The HPV virus can inhabit your cervix for a wealth of reasons, a number of different ways. We do not have to do chip and pin at present to have the cervical screening test done. It's free, it's available. Uh, it's a 15-minute test. It can be slightly uncomfortable, but as I said, ask for a smaller speculum or leave extra um that is available. And... See, see it's part of your self-care routine, just so you might go and get, I don't know, your nails done or your wig, whatever, or um, get your teeth whitened, go to the optician. Yeah. It's every three years. It's not every three months. So do it, please, for the sake of yourself, for the sake of your well-being, because as Mo pointed out, um, it's very silent and it's very prevalent. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much, Aisha, for coming on the episode today. I've had an absolute blast um, and it's been great talking to you. And I'm sure this is going to help a lot of people just to encourage them as well and demystify the problems that we're currently having with cervical cancer screening um, in the UK among black women. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Do share this podcast with two people who have not heard about us before. Remember that this podcast in no way replaces advice from your own doctor or physician. Do subscribe and follow us on social media. Leave us a review on iTunes so that others can access the amazing content. And do join the club at asliceofhealth.club and drop us some suggestions or questions that you might have. Don't forget to be a health champion wherever you go by separating health fact from health fiction.